so we do EOS on Trier Operating System, and we've got great uh, coaches, right? So you have to have a good leader, I believe, a good leader from outside the firm to come in to facilitate these discussions. And what does it mean? Like, sometimes you have change, right? You do. Like, Brian and I were doing a thing earlier today, and we were recording something for our members. Like, you know, turnover is not bad. Like, turnover is life. Like, it is just life. So... Look, nobody said that running a law firm was easy. We know it's not easy. What we try to do is take it to a level that goes a little bit beyond just office procedure manuals and stuff. I mean, literally, we have this chance to build a community, a tribe in the firm, right, who just likes each other, likes working. A players want to work with A players. They do not want to work with C-plus players. They don't. So you as owner keeping people around who aren't, a culture fit who aren't A players, like you're just, you're actually saying to your other A players, I don't really care about you that much. It's mm -hmm. weird. We didn't do this in a day. Like it takes a lifetime of being in groups and reading books and having mentors. I yeah, think. yeah. Like you told, like you told those young soccer uh, referees, it's going to take years, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to learn this in three. Years. Law firm owners are not going to learn all this in three months either. Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Master Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS. And I'm Richard James. And today I've got the real pleasure of talking with a good friend and somebody that I met, oh my gosh, in my our own mastermind a long time ago, like 2011, 12-ish, something like that. And he gave me my first break when I was launching Your Practice Master. He let me come to his very first, well, my very first event for him, now 20 years deep at Great Legal Marketing, where I, where I debuted Your Practice Mastered back 2011, 2012-ish. And, and we were just, I was so honored he gave me that chance. As a matter of fact, I got my first ever client from your event. So Ben, welcome today. And, and of course, thanks for giving me my leverage and my start uh, all those years ago. Our, our common mentor, Dan Kennedy, just wrote in his most recent newsletter that he was shocked, shocked at how old his lifers looked when we, he saw us in the summer. And he's talking about you and me and, and others of our, who were, who were hanging out over a decade ago at high-end masterminds, we were the only lawyers or selling to lawyers, any of that stuff, learning from people in all walks of life, most of them doing things bigger, better, and faster than I was doing for sure. And probably you would say the same. For sure. So the I, was the, I was the smallest fish in the pond. No question the about it. being in the room. Yeah. But yeah, Dan's talking about us. Everybody's looking older. <laughs> yeah. But, but well, I'm, I'm excited about today's conversation, Michael, nonetheless. I, I am too. I am too. And Ben, to kick things off, I, I know plenty of attorneys in the uh, legal world know who, who you are or of you, but why don't you get us started with a little bit of an icebreaker? What's something that maybe not everybody knows about you? Well, you know, this is the second time I've been on your program. And the first time I said, you know, I was the shyest guy in high school and college and in law school. So I said, well, I can't say that again. But here's something actually I've shared from stage that that most people don't know is that, you know, three times in my career, 40 years now, I've been named as a defendant in the legal malpractice claims. And there's learning in all of that. Two of them were legitimate claims, process errors in the firm I worked with. My name was on the file. One was a BS claim. But here's, here's the learning. It was, it's fascinating for those of us who do litigation. Is in the first case, I was very young, and you know, I just did whatever the insurance company said. And, and they're like, oh, we're going to defend this case. And it was a disaster because it was, on t it was not TV trial, but it got publicity in the area. And, and our insurance company took an untenable, stupid position 
The second time, it was my firm. Again, we owned it, process, error, whatever. And I told my defense lawyer, I said, you cannot say that we were not negligent because we, we were at fault. It was clearly ours. And, and I, what I learned in that, and for anyone who ever like, gets sued, you can actually direct your insurance company. Like, you do not have to do what they say. And that case turned out a lot better because the client, even though we had made an error, she appreciated the fact that we owned it and, and we weren't going to BS her. Like the first case, we BS them and, and, we, and Ben paid for it, right? Ben, like a lot of bad uh, publicity, most of it pre-internet. And then the third case was just a knucklehead. And the lesson of the third case was taking a case to try to help somebody who didn't really have a good case. And then like, I swear to God, like seven years later, you think there's a statute of limitations, but in lawyer world, it can be weird. Seven years later, he's coming back out of the pipe with a knucklehead lawyer. All three were really stressful. So you, so here's the lesson is you two, Richard and Michael, you teach processes, procedures, great people in firms I worked at. And in my early years, we, we were not, you know, often sometimes perfect on that and it, and it costs, but there's lessons, there's learning in all of that. And especially, you know, if you're litigating, you're taking depositions and suing people like sitting in that other seat. I don't wish that on anybody. It's a horrible, it's a horrible life experience, but here, here we are still, still rocking. You know, what's interesting, Ben, it, 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 this bridges into interesting conversation that we and I were having off camera, which is this idea of professional service provider, right? Yeah. And what you recognized when you were in control of the direction of that litigation or defense of that litigation was that you weren't going to BS your, your client. You were going to stand up. Nobody doesn't make mistakes. It's impossible to not make a mistake when you're in business. You're going to screw up somewhere along the line. It's likely going to happen. We all try to avoid it. But one of these key things is when you make a mistake, you, you admitted it, you fixed it, and you moved on, right? And if that moved on meant you had to write a check, or the insurance company had to write a check, then so be it. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I am, I'm getting kind of sick and tired of the level of quality of service and the BS people try to hide behind anymore instead of just owning their issues and dealing with, and quite frankly, providing good quality level of service as they said they were going to do in their contract or just in a handshake deal. And it, it, it now, unfortunately, doesn't surprise me how often I'm let down, right? Here's, here's the philosophical thing. Here's the thing I tell a vendor. So, hey, you're going to work with me. I want to make you famous. I want to make you your next million dollars. Okay, so let's work together. Sure, I'm paying you. I want you to be great. But if you're really good, I will tell the world about you. Because mm -hmm. I'm relatively famous, as you are, in this lawyer niche, right? People want to know, like, what does Ben use? What does Richard use? What does Michael use? However, the contrary is true, too. Like, if you screw me up, we're going to tell people about it. And there, there, <laughs> there have been there are vendors out there who have lost lots and lots of business. And, and it's not it's not if you screw up like one time, Richard. It's like right. here you did this. Here's the process. Let's fix it. Let's oh screw up again. Oh screw up again. We fired. We had a. A virtual telephone answering service for a while that we fired they screwed up two times big time in like six days hmm. and we fired them and then they wouldn't give us our money back like oh you signed a three-month contract great i'm gonna keep playing the tape keep playing the tape keep playing the tape sorry so so yes we you and i are both sort of disappointed because we tried to deliver great service to teach law firms how to deliver great service but I, but I think if we can have these discussions with, you know, whether it's a print vendor for lawyers, print web, pay-per-click vendor, someone who's helping you recruit and hire, like have this discussion. 
I will make you famous right. if you do just what you said you would do. Yeah. And, and, if, and by the way, if you're not capable of doing what you said you were going to do, don't sign up with me because the other side of this coin is true. Yeah. Just um, don't overpromise either. Like we had right. one, like there was a huge overpromise. And I don't think that, I think when he went back and told the team what he just sold, they're like, I'm not sure we can do that. And then every step of the way, it was a disaster. Yeah. yeah, and I told that story too. <laughs> you know, we talk. I talk about the, and to, to bridge this gap for the law firm or the owners that are listening. Like this is you're in the they're in the service business, right? And so, so really make sure that you you can execute on the promises that you deliver, and 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 you shouldn't be making promises in the legal realm on outcomes, obviously, but you can make promises on how you communicate and how well you'll how well you'll hold their hand and you'll be there for them and you'll handle situations when they come up. But, you know, I, it's funny, I had a vendor in our world similar and they were they were bad. They were really bad at what they did. And in our world, as in your world, the members talk to one another. Right. Oh, and no, so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And we had I had a visual recognition of this because they have a dashboard in the background that they could literally talk to one another. Right. So on the chat, they were saying bad mouthing this particular vendor. And so I went to the vendor and I said, hey. Here's you just got to know this is what's being said. Could you please fix it? And all they cared about was it's so unfair of you to not let me be in your chat so that I could address these things. These are false accusations. I go, dude, stop. There's like 12 firms saying the same crap. Like one guy might be false, but there's some there's some truth here somewhere. Stop worrying about you defending your good name and just go fix the problem. Well, they left, right? They left because everybody quit. And then I brought the next guy into your point And I said, listen, you're going to come in. If you're good at this at all, you're going to get a lot of business. I yeah. need you to yeah. make me a promise. I need you to throttle how much business you accept so that you put a cap on it in the beginning to make sure that you don't overpromise and underdeliver. Because what, what I think happens, and I think this happens with law firm owners too, is they, we teach them how to sell, we teach them how to market, we teach them how to generate clients. And sometimes they say yes to so many new clients and they don't have the capacity on the back end to service the client and they don't know how to figure that problem out. And they speed up the pace at which everybody figures out they're not very good at what they do, right? And so my part of my advice is, yes, I want you to grow. And, I, and I, yes, I wanna market first and I wanna sell first, for sure. But we got to figure out simultaneously how to fix our workflow pipeline so that we can manage the workflow that's coming through. I mean, do you guys experience that in your firm as well? Or how do you guys manage that when you're growing? 100%. So, yeah. So that's getting out of your skis, right? And so the one of the things we talk about a lot at Benglass Law is examining the, um, the experience for the potential client all the way through the client from the eyes of the client, everything from, you know, the web and how it reacts and how the phones are answered and every step of the way, uh, because the trap that lawyers fall into, as you know, is, well, we've always done it this way. Okay. But that way it kind of sucks. You know, so, so for example, in the last couple of years, I've hired like tax consultants and estate planning consultants, these kind of advisors. And what do they do? They do the same thing that doctors do. They send you 14,000 pages of forms to fill out. And, and then you get on a call them and, they, and you find out, well, really, they didn't need all of that, right? But, but that's the way we've always done it. And that's the form that everybody gets, even though my situation obviously is different from the next person's situation. And that's irritating. You know, I, I've got doctors 
and and you know just because something can be automated doesn't mean we have to so hey, i have an appointment coming up i must get 10 emails and 10 texts reminding me of the appointment i will be there i honor time i will be there but when i get there at two o'clock for my two o'clock appointment why am I not being seen until 3.15? Uh, <laughs> Dennis, I find a for doing this BS. Uh, like, oh, my gosh. Like, you don't honor anything. You, you want me. You tell me, send me all these texts. Be here on time. Be here. Be here early. Be here. So my point, though, for lawyers is every so often you have to pause and ask yourself, how does this look like? And survey your clients. Ask them, like, what did you like about working with us? What did you find challenging? People who hired you or who didn't hire you. Like try to get as much information as you can and try to fix it. And here's a cool thing. Owner doesn't need to know all the answers. Owner does not need to know all the answers. Owner's team goes first. How do we make this better? Owner gets out of the way. That's really, I mean, our job is to hire great people and get the heck out of the way. <laughs> That's the <a> secret. <laughs> well put. Very well put. Well, I, I th this was, I, I liked the, the little tangent there because I, I think this tangent was helpful. And I think this idea of service and honoring what we say we're going to do is just important. <laughs> and it's not very hard to do. You, you just got to do no and fulfill. No right. threshold for lawyers. It, sure. Yes. Yes. But that being said, Ben, why don't you take us at, at least from the high points? Because I think you're celebrating 40 years. 40, in practice. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. 40 years of practice. So why don't you take us through, through the high points of your entrepreneurial journey? So, so I worked, I got out of law school. The other thing people don't know is I, I really like tax law in, in law school. And I could have been a tax lawyer. Just that and I got a, a law clerk job with one of the top lawyers, litigators, trial lawyers in Northern Virginia. And so worked for other people for 12 years. Really, there was a long, here's a, here's a deal. Here's my entrepreneurial seizure. It was a long commute. I was coaching three soccer teams. I'm like, this kind of sucks. I need to be closer to my family. We were doing some work. I, I didn't, I didn't like like the direction or the non-direction of the firm. So let's just go start a law firm. How hard could this be? <laughs> Next day I'm at Office Depot, like buying, like, what am I doing here? Good Lord. What have I just done? And so, and so that was hard. So I took cases with me and so I had money, right? But then the money ran out and I, and I didn't really know anything. I didn't know anything about business. Of course, like most lawyers who come to your practice master, come to GLAB, like we're good at lawyering and we're great at identifying issues and taking tests, but the business stuff we lack and I lack every aspect of the business. And it got, you know, so fortunate. I was on a bunch of success literature mailing lists and I got Dan Kennedy's magnetic marketing letter and almost returned the product after I bought it. I'm like, Oh, this actually makes some sense. Like, hmm. uh, like just look around what everyone else is doing and don't do that. Well, I, I could do that. Right. And so that was the beginning of being able to lead gen better. And as we talked, you know, before we went live, like this is yellow pages, right? This is <laughs> yellow page directories. I, you know, started writing books, widgets, lead generation information that was successful for us. And so the practice started to grow. The next sort of growth thing that I didn't know anything about was hiring people and getting my ego out of the way and hiring the right people. And so that was a, you know, I've wondered, my life is one disaster after another. As you move through these stages of growth, it's just always hard. Like doing new stuff is always hard. And I want people to hear that and to know that I coach young teenage referees. Like you, you can't be good in three years. It's just going to be hard. We got to get you through that. So not knowing how to hire. And then, you know, once we had more cases and have more people like, all right, systems, door, the line out the door is getting like, oh my God, like this is horrible. 
And it's not that we have everything perfect uh, now, but my son, Brian, joined me. I know he's also going to be a guest on the podcast five years ago or so now. And he brought a certain uh, type of, he's more like you, Richard. Like he's a good numbers guy, good spreadsheet guy. He can do math in his head. And, and he's a good systems guy. And so he f- fulfilled that. He brought over a little bit of a different type of practice. And I'm a visionary. I'm the guy that gets 4 million ideas by 10 o'clock in the morning, texts everybody, drives him crazy. And now I have to get my ego out of the way because they tell me, like, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. We're not going to do that. But I'm good with it because we're, we're actually, we make more money. We have fun. We really like the people that we work with. And as a result of that, when, when your marketing works and your people work, your systems work, then you say no to all the bad clients. And that is because when you're young and the money is tight and the ego, like, oh, somebody wants me to represent. Oh, Michael's calling me. He wants me to represent him. But I get on the phone with Michael, like, oh, this guy's a jerk. Like, but, but, I, but I kind of need the money, right? That just makes life miserable. And so there's different stages of growth. I think what, what I'm really good at is helping lawyers see beyond that hard stage and saying, yes, it is going to be hard. Like, it, okay, going to, if you haven't been in the gym in five years, it's going to be hard. But there's something on the other side. And that's what I'm good at, helping them vision, giving them permission to eliminate people and things out of their lives and, and feeling secure about that. And then, and also giving them permission to live their own lives for their own selves. Like Ayn Rand, like this is a one-way journey. The purpose of living is to be happy. That is the purpose of living on earth, to be happy. So let's do that. And that's really what I bring to the, to the world. I think a little bit, not just lawyers, but everybody I talk to. That's a long right. answer to the question. No, 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 that was great. That was great. So one thing I want to highlight is you've been a lawyer for 40 years, but GLM has been around 20 years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So Canada, you know, again, once this started to work for, for us, there were very few people at that time teaching lawyers how to, how to build a better business. And so Dan and our friend, Bill Glazer, you know, I said, is my stuff good enough? They go, yeah, it's good enough. And so we just started doing it, which is another life lesson. We just started. I didn't, I didn't really have a plan or I didn't have, you know, I had some blueprints. We started like on the, every other month it was a print newsletter. And then the next month it was a CD. I just record stuff. <laughs> now it's really robust. I mean, we write tons of articles and as you do, like you, you've got this whole, you have this in library of accumulated material, which anybody who comes into your world and legitimately accesses and studies the IP that you have created like that is a MBA in running a law firm. Hmm. The difficulty is that we, we're not, most of us are not born entrepreneurs and we don't get the entrepreneurial seizure. You said it like on your, and I, I wrote that down, by the way, I'm like, that is genius. You need to trademark that. That's perfect. That's the Gerber thing. That's, that's straight out of Gerber's original work, the E-Myth. Yeah. The E-Myth, right? Yeah. I mean, Gerber, you're right. Gerber did say that back in the E-Myth. <laughs> or the E-Myth revisited one or the other. But but that, that entrepreneurship, that is so common in the life of the law firm owner because, and I think I've talked to you about this before. I, I, I've never, I never, I'm not a lawyer. I didn't teach at a law school, but I was invited to be a guest lecturer at a law school at a particular, uh, you know, class. And so I it was virtual and I did it. And it was great. And there was, I don't know, 18-ish young students in the room. And I asked all of them, you know, after I kind of, or to start off my presentation, like, tell me how many of you consider yourselves entrepreneurs and expect that you're going to specifically open up a law firm on your own? 
and and like nobody's hand went up. I mean, no, yeah. not a single hand. And I go, okay. I go. So how many of you plan on working for big law? So I mean, how many of you plan on working for family or small law firm? You know, another some other lanes. I go. I go. How many? Let me ask you a question. How many of you assume at some point in your career you may have to hang your own shingle? Interesting. Everybody's hand went up. So none of them saw themselves as entrepreneurs, like by definition, right? But they all somehow recognize that if they want to get to where they ultimately want to get to, they may have to hang their own shingle in their own language. It's like they don't see it as being a business owner. They see it as being a practitioner. But you had an entrepreneurial seizure where like, no, 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 there's more to this. And so talk about that a little bit. Like, why do you think this is? Because, I, I, you know, I've been in this industry now for a number of years, as you well know, and and I'm not a lawyer and I had to learn through this process of, wait, oh, they they do think a little different than everybody else and they do act a little different than everybody else. And why is that? And I think you could speak to that better than I could. I don't know. I think so. First of all, like, my, you know, I, I, I've had other ventures. Right. And so in high school, I was dealing out of my locker and people go, oh, my God, dealing out of his locker. Well, I was selling soccer uniforms and shoes and shin guards because it was this is, again, pre-internet, pre-soccer stores. So I get this stuff and just sell it to my friends. But the reason is, the reason is, I think, is that the way the whole industry is set up is, is you have to, it's set up to test well in certain subjects, in certain very linear, logical thinking, identifying issues and fixing issues. So there's very little in law school about creativity, coming up with a new design. So most of law school is about what's the precedent say? What do the old cases say? Again, Let's just do it the old way because that's the way we've always done it. And there's, you know, when you're looking at how we live in a civil society, so there is there's good argument for, yeah, if we did it this way before, this way we got to keep doing it. But that's so that attracts that kind of brain. Then when you get in law school, so I am 100% convinced that law schools exist to feed big law. Hmm. They're very expensive. They in debt you and then they feed you off to, you know, in some cases, a $185,000 year job. But they don't tell you, Richard, it's really two 80-hour-a-week jobs because you don't mm-hmm. get any time off. You're expected to be there seven days a week. Holy crap. And then the shame is that lawyers get five, six, seven years out, and they quit the profession as a whole, even though they're really smart, good people, because they've never seen what you have. They've never seen what I have. They don't even know this world. They're like, oh, I could never, like, how do you make $185,000? Well, actually, like, you run a small shop. It's not that hard. It doesn't require that many hours. So I think that's why we get there. The profession is all screwed up. The elites in the profession, they I look straight in the camera when I say this stuff. Like the elites of the profession are screwed up because all they want to do is is a feed they also want to feed big law. They want to make sure that that you don't do anything out of the ordinary, right? They actually want to make sure that you're not successful. And they wonder why lawyers are so depressed, right? Mm-hmm. So they have all these advertising regulations. The only lawyers that ever get in trouble with the ethics bar are the small firm lawyers. They don't go after the big firm lawyers. And so I'm that little voice in the wilderness that says, no, actually, you're supposed to be happy and I can help you design. You have to decide what happiness is for you in life first, life, then what business supports that happiness, what client supports that business. Now, what's the marketing that brings that client into the business? And that's a, you know, that's a, that's thinking, but nobody else in the profession in the elite of the pressure achievement. Now, there's a lot of entrepreneurs. You and I have, there's a lot of rooms now of people, good people teaching lawyers 
how to be business people. But I still think that take you, me, Mike Mogul, Ken Hardison, all of our friends, like it's still just a tiny bit of the lawyer market. And no. so it's a it's a big blue ocean, I think. And all all I'm trying to do is get lawyers to to go, oh, oh, they're happy? Oh. Yeah. In all different practice areas. Because like I could never do family law, but there are lawyers who absolutely thrive in family law. Other lawyers could not do could not like every dollar I make is a contingent fee. I only win, I only get paid if I win. Every, every dollar. Like boom. And other lawyers could not stomach that, right? They want to have it in, in the trust account and draw from it. So there's a place for everybody. And the shame is that some lawyers just don't get to see the breadth of the opportunities that are out there for us. Yeah. By the way, uh, you talked about this idea that you, you had this entrepreneurial spirit. Michael, if you remember our interview with Brian, he said that there might be a disagreement. Do you remember what that conversation was? I, I do, because we, we were talking about, do you believe that entrepreneurial spirit and that entrepreneurial bug is nurture versus nature? And Ben, I'll, I'll get your take first. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I know. He says, it, he says I say, look, we, we, we listen to Dan Kennedy takes. We talk about this all the time. He goes, no, that's not true. Mom says it's true. So, so mom, so God bless Brian, right? He's got a great podcast, Time Freedom for Lawyers. Mom listens to that. You know what mom says? He's channeling you. Uh, I, I don't care that he got it from me or Richard James or Michael or whoever, right? The point is that we, so the point for people to think about is Brian and I are aligned on what we're doing here. And he probably, if you ask him the question, what are we doing here? We, we're build a place where people will thrive. Bottom line, that's why we're here. Us, we thrive, owners thrive, the team thrives. If you solve for one and two, then the client will thrive. Hey, that all works. Amazing, right? And so every decision that we make here is really... De, uh, designed to say, is it going to bring energy to us? Is it going to bring money to us? Of course, yes. And for our team, like, like you know, a law firm could be a boring, sucky place to go to work if you've got bad ownership and you're and you're never you don't see a way to advance. And so, how can we make this place a place that brings energy to people so they're not crying on Sunday night because they had to come into work on Monday, right? And so we try. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But we, we always ask ourselves, and we ask the team the question, Richard, if you work for me, how can I make this perfect for you? Because mm -hmm. if you don't know the answer to that question and you can't communicate it to me, then what are we here for? Like, and so that's a, and, and you have to be prepared for the answer too. When you're bold enough to ask that question, ask it of your spouse, like, like, how can I be better? Like, how can I make this perfect for you? And then you have to have, be able to listen, not argue, listen, and then try to try to figure out how to do it. So I think, you know, the worst thing is we're having fun. Like we tell people when they come to work here, like the worst part is that this will be the best place you ever work, right? It just is. And not because we have ping pong tables, because we don't, but we actually like each other. We do interesting work. We 100% defend our clients, defend our people against bad clients. It's rare, but it happens. I'm pointing to the phone, like it's rare, but it happens. And we value our team very, 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 very highly. And we mean it when we say that. I... I love the what would make this perfect for you question. I think that's that's such a valuable question. And to your point, you got to be willing to accept whatever answer that is, depending on who you're delivering that message or that question to. And, it's a starting I, point for a conversation. Yeah, and you is. too. Like you, you and your dad got to be asking that question of each other as you do your check-ins. Like, is this Brian and I? Is this still good for you? Right. Are you happy? Right. What would you like me to change? 
one of the exercises we do at our annual retreat is with our leadership team is, Mike, if you're a leadership team, we go around the room and each of us tells you the one thing you can't see about yourself that we would like to see you change or at least think about. Now, think about that. You have to have high trust in leadership to be able to have it. It's really easy to go, Michael, here's the five things I really like about you. Okay, Michael, here's the thing that I watch you and I wish that you knew about yourself and you could change. Those are interesting, deep leadership conversations that make our, our two-day annual offsite retreats just really intense, fun. But man, we come out of those meetings, we are we are aligned, and we would do, we would literally do anything for each other. Yeah, I tell you what, that's <laughs> I think about putting myself in that situation, and as much as I want to admit, suggest or think that I would. I would take it with a grain of salt or I'd let it roll off my back when somebody would tell me what they didn't love about me. I have to admit that I, as a human, I'm sure that would feel a little icky at first. And I would have, I would, I'd have to have a whole bunch of trust in the people that I allowed to answer that question. As the giver of the advice, that is a deep thing as the receiver of it. Because again, what's typically, oh, we're going to go around and tell everybody how much they appreciate. That's easy, right? And so you have to, here's what I think you have to have. So we do EOS on operating system and we've got great uh, coaches, right? So you have to have a good leader. I believe a good leader from outside the firm to come in to facilitate these discussions. And what does it mean? Like sometimes you have change, right? You do like Brian and I were doing a thing earlier today and we were recording something for our, for our members. Like, you know, turnover is not bad. Like turnover is life. Like it is just life. So Look, nobody said that running a law firm was easy. We know it's not easy. What we try to do is take it to a level that goes a little bit beyond just office procedure manuals and stuff. I mean, literally, we have this chance to build a community, a tribe, a tribe in the firm, right, who just likes each other, likes working. A players want to work with A players. They do not want to work with C-plus players. They don't. So you as owner keeping people around who aren't, a culture fit who aren't A players, like you're just, you're actually saying to your other A players, I don't really care about you that much. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Got a question. We can this in a day. Like it takes a lifetime of being in groups and reading books and having mentors. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like you told, like you told those young soccer uh, referees, it's going to take years, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to learn this in three months. You, a law, a lawyer, a law firm owner is not going to learn all this in three months either. We, we just met with an attorney just before this for another podcast recording. By the way, you'd be proud of him. 62 years old. He's uh, he's doing 100 burpees a day, man. 100 burpees that's a day. A, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and amazed because right. the older I get, the hard, I was telling my coach today, like, it's just hard. It's hard work just to keep even now. Right. Exactly. It's hard work just to keep you. He did a hundred. He, 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 he wants to do 119 minutes or something. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Very aggressive. But, but, but he's talking about how he feels like he now has a doctorate in this small business management stuff that yeah. it's been 10 years, took 10 yeah. years, right. To, to know what everybody thinks he got so lucky to learn all of a sudden. But I have a question regarding the talent because, because you're a big leader you know, team guy, management guy. And so you talk about A-level talent. And so a lot of the questions I get, and and I know you've created an amazing culture. I guess the question is very specifically, because of the amazing culture, does it alleviate the need for you to have to pay or overpay at the top level for this A-level talent? I think that 
you, we do not overpay. So we're not in the overpay. Um, that being said, nobody's working after five o'clock. Nobody's working on weekends. There are no fires or explosions or tantrums or any of that. Mm. When we, because we are a contingent fee firm and a personal injury firm that every once in a while, you know, the big ones, the big ones hit. We are very, we believe very generous when those big ones come for spot bonuses for everybody. And, and, you know, I'll send my paralegals out to paralegal meetings and they're like always recruiting. <laughs> right. Because again, going back to the conversation we had earlier on, on this podcast is the barrier is not high. Most people are miserable in their jobs. Mm. So, so we don't overpay. And what we try to do for our non like leadership lawyers in particular is I'll say, Richard, like, What's your vision? How much do you want to make in five years? How much you want to be making in five years? Whatever that number is, I don't care. Great. Richard, you got to figure out how we make that, mm-hmm. right? And so it's putting the onus back on you and giving you the liberty to help grow the firm. We're very generous for our non-legal staff. Like you got an event you want to go to? Great. Here's the, here's the no limit. No limit, but the obligation is you come back, you do lunch and learn. Like, what did you learn at this event, right? I, I hear so many firms like, oh, I'm going to give you like $200 a year to go to this thing. Like, no, I want my team to be great. So, and, and, and I, I guess the last thing I'll say just on that on talent acquisition is we're really clear on, as we do with marketing. So the key to marketing is identifying who you want to see walking through the door with a case. The key to talent acquisition is identifying and then putting in writing and then telling the whole world, this is who I need. This is what I'm looking for. And rather than running these BS, typical, looking for multitasking, paralegal, you know, with five years experience, that tells you nothing, right? We write the long form, hey, you'd be good for this. If this is your talent set, this won't be a good place for you if you need someone to look over your shoulder. Um, Are we perfect? Now we have turnover, but we don't over, we don't overpay, but I think we're generous in, in many regards. we feel the same way about us. We don't, I don't feel anybody would accuse us of overpaying at our firm, but we are very generous with unlimited time off policies yep. and go learn and educate and travel and live wherever you want. And we're a remote company, so we aren't in the office. So people, we have, we have one team member who we don't ever know what state she's going to be in, quite frankly, when <laughs> she calls in for the meeting on Mondays. And when, I'm fact, when I first, what's that? If in the States. Yeah, yeah. If in the states, that's right. And and I think that's and I think I think Michael, I don't know you as as a younger generation, you appreciate the remoteness of our world a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, I appreciate the remoteness, but more importantly, I appreciate the the freedom and flexibility. I, I think that's important, and I think it leads to people that value where they work, and I think it leads them to actually want to do better work because now they've got the time and freedom to think, right? And, and so when you're just stapling stuff all day and you got the same routine in the same office not that there's anything wrong with being in an office especially if it's a good culture it can lead to this small-mindedness a little bit and then frustration out of that so i i I do really enjoy the the freedom and flexibility and from my knowledge the team does too so everybody has to be clear in what is expected of them in terms of what is being produced not in what manner or how long it takes or any of that stuff. So if you produce, I don't care where you are when you're producing. Right. 
by and large, there, there are certain things like we believe you need to like the best way for a young lawyer to learn how to negotiate is to be in the room and be, you know, listening on the wall or in the same room and listening to discussions with insurance adjusters and stuff. One of the things we do, and this would be great for your listeners is and when we're training somebody, I don't do a ton of client calls anymore, but there is a certain type of consult that I do. It's like, I'm like, Hey, it's going to be on speakerphone. Anybody wants, you can come in and you sit in my office. You can listen. Every once in a while, like maybe twice a year, there'll be a bad client that's perking up through the pipeline and he's got some argument or he or she like mad at us. I'm like, great. I'm going to put him on the phone, speakerphone. Everybody come in and listen. That's how you teach. That's the most efficient way to teach. And so I would, I would encourage everyone who's listening to this, who's uh, in a law firm is it's like open up your calls and your meetings to your team who you want to become better subject matter experts so that you can, again, you can get out of the way. Most of the stuff that paralegals do like there's this line, you know, we're giving legal advice or not, but there's a ton of stuff that paralegals can do, legal assistants can do, that's correct, absolutely correct, the right answer, and gets you more free time. What are we paid for? Lawyers are paid to find the creative solution to the client's problem, right? We're not paid for the number of hours we work. We shouldn't be, right? Like, how do I get you the result that you would like to get in the most efficient way? That's what people want, I think. Um, and you do that by training up your team and you train up your team by inviting them in on, just to listen. How does Ben talk? How does he, how does he ask questions? Um, and then I never answer. The other thing is I never answer a client email. So I forward all the emails to the team. The team answers them. If the team doesn't know. They come to me, they ask, but that way the team now knows like, what's the answer to this particular question and that trains a client to not, to not expect a response from me. And eventually they're not emailing me. I'm just getting reports. Mm-hmm. of what's happened in the case if they need to report a lot of our cases are self-running cases because i've just developed a great great team using some of these strategies to teach them without overpay I love that. what a great concept that, that's, awesome. that is a, that's a win we could ring the bell and i i just looked at the clock ben i cannot believe we've been talking for 37 minutes well that's what happens yeah. when you have good conversation oh, but but oh ben, i do i i do want to hear what what's got you excited what's got you fired up today could be personal, could be business, doesn't matter. Well, of course, we're recording this shortly before Christmas, so that's a big family time for us, number yeah. one. Number two, in the springtime, I'll start my 50th year since I was licensed as a referee, and so I'll be doing high school and youth games. I'm thinking of getting an art band that says 50 just to promote conversation. That doesn't mean I'm good or I, or I get everything right, but I do have a ton of experience there. You know, you'll notice none of this is like the legal stuff. I, I love being in the gym in the off season, in the off season, like the non-referee season. I'm in the CrossFit gym five and six days a week. I love the tribe there. I'm the oldest one, I think, in, the, in our gym who's doing CrossFit. So all of that is what makes me excited. Talking to you guys makes me excited because I know you're smart. You're going to ask good questions. And most importantly, like the three of us, I think, are changing lives for sure. We're not the only ones for sure. But so many lawyers who come in contact with you two or come in contact with me or Brian, like I think they just start to see the world differently. And then we introduce them to other lawyers who are along this path. That's my job in the world, in the universe right now. It's one of my jobs, but to, to do that, to, to get lawyers to have fun and have happiness in the profession. We're gonna make some people upset from time to time. That's fine, I don't really care. And I'm refereeing. I make a lot of people upset. That's fine. I don't really care because I'm relatively good at, at what I do. And I like hanging with you guys. Yeah, we love hanging with you as well. 
And so we just saw LD came in. LD, say hi to Ben there. LD's coming in for the for the next recording on the podcast. But yeah, you hey, guys are busy. Yeah. Hey Ben, tell me as we wrap this up, I I I just want to mention fifty years refereeing, man. Congratulations. I just you've got so many amazing streaks going on. You've got you've got the fifty years of the refereeing. You got the forty years of being in practice. You got the twenty years of of having glm and you 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 said something such you know your whole world i can see it now is really revolved around you being a connector of of great people and and i i'm just anyway i'm i'm just so honored that you joined us today and i and i appreciate you for being here and for sharing this wisdom with everybody i know there were those who were listening that got nuggets all the way through and and I appreciate you connecting us many, many years ago. So thanks for being here. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. You folks can, you know, just go find us. We're on, Brian and I are pretty popular and we have a lot to say on LinkedIn. So that's the place to go. And just, you know, if you like the vibe, you know, check us out by and large, the three of us, the four of us are serving a very similar market, but there's differences and, you know, hats off to you all. I've been at your events. Thank you for inviting me to speak uh, earlier this year. And you just do a tremendous job. So you're moving the world. And at the end of the day, like we have this one life. This is, I think, what we're called to do is like move the world wherever our, wherever our talents are. Mm. I don't build stuff. I don't like hammer stuff. I don't like that. But this stuff, I really enjoy doing. So it's great. It's great to hang with you guys. Well, I appreciate it, Ben. The pleasure is ours. And to the law firm owners listening to this, thank you for taking the time to listen today. Hopefully you were able to take a nugget because there was plenty of them to take. And if this is not your first time listening or watching, we have the gentleman's agreement around here. So if you got some value today, we just kindly ask that you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on where you're listening or watching and show Ben some love in the comments. And we appreciate it. But again, Ben, thank you very much for being on today. All right, you guys be good. I'll see you at the other side of the new year. Sounds Perfect. good. Hey, Rich, do you want to cut? Yeah, well, for everybody listening real quick, just so you know, I don't know exactly whether this is landing before or after, but we just launched our Justice for Joy event. We're partnering with St. Jude. So if that hasn't happened yet, we're having it on the 10th of January. Go ahead and click on the link below where we're doing a charity event where we're going to be able to do a training for you, and you just have to donate to St. Jude to get access to the training. Looking forward to that event. Uh, It's going to be not only great for you to launch into the 2024 season, but it's going to be great for the charity and those kids that benefit from St. Jude. So that's the pot. Move the world.